Hello. What's up? How are you doing, Ben? Good as always. How are you? I'm as wonderful as can be. That's like the first time I actually bothered to ask you back. Normally, I just kind of ask it, you say it, and then we kind of move on. So. <laughs> and then you ask yourself out of like desperation. Yeah. We have a very one-sided relationship. Thank you for showing that to our viewers. <laughs> they know. Oh, they do. Viewers, how are you doing this week? Thank you for coming. Welcome to the Keep Plugin Podcast, week number 25 now, correct? I think that should be it. Yeah, that's a quarter of 100. Quarter of a century. Quarter of a whatever, uh, 100 episodes of a podcast. Yep. We're, we're coming up on it. It's like, uh, you remember, did you ever watch 30 Rock? Of course. Do you remember the episode where they get to 50 episodes and then, like, they treat it like it's, like, a big deal? Because, like, you know how in TV getting to 100 episodes is a big deal because oh, you get a syndication. you mean the show deal? within the show. Yeah, within the show, the TGS got the 50 episodes and they made a big deal about it, yeah. making fun of, like, how dumb, like, the, the 100 episode thing is and how, like, binary it kind of is. Because, like, it's, like, they're halfway to being to, like, a, a, a basically, like, if you hit 100 episodes, a network can make a lot of money off the show. So, like, the joke throughout the episode is that, like... You're halfway to being like a show we can make money off of or something like that, right. and they're celebrating that. So, so we're a quarter of the way, quarter of the way there, and uh, that concludes this week of uh, talking Thirty Rock, the podcast. That's like, within that's a like pod- the Infinite Arrow philosophy. It is like the Infinite Arrow. How does that work? Like it's always you can have it infinitely, or is that a different philosophy? I um. <clears throat> What's the Arrow one? Yeah, the Arrow one is like it's always halfway to the target, so it'll never reach the target. Yes. I, I, it might be similar to that. I don't, I don't know if that's what Tina said. Kind of the opposite. It's like, we're, we're always halfway to the target. So we're always halfway to the target. We're always halfway to the target. There we go. That's this week's name. We got it. Okay. Okay. That's, that might be the longest we've ranted before actually talking about video games. All right. Well, I, I like it. You know, we're, 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 we're quarter of a century old. We got to spice it up. We got to try new things. Okay. So listeners, what do we have this week? So this is the week of July 19th. 2002 was the year, and Japan was the setting. And the game is a game called Super Mario Sunshine. This might be, like, the most we've ever drawn it out, but I'm loving it. Super Mario Sunshine. A game we've talked around. Again, kind of like... Talked around is a good way to put it. We've talked about Mario a lot. Talked about Sunshine a lot. We have. The concept of vitamin D. (laughs) We've talked about being in the sun... Benefits of being in the sun, uh, but the dangers too. You know, uh, sunburn, sunscreen. You know, we're, we're we're big advocates for sunscreen here at Keep Plugging Games. Definitely talked a lot about Galaxy more. Yes, um, being serious, we've talked a lot about Galaxy, Galaxy Two. We've talked about Sunshine in context to the rest yeah. of the Mario. And we've series. probably talked about Odyssey more than Sunshine. Oh yeah, we've we've talked about Odyssey. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Galaxy. Sunshine might be Sunshine, and we we've talked a bit about sixty four, I guess too. I think we even I think we did one of these on sixty four. I think, possibly. I don't know. That's how you know we're, there's twenty five of them now, listeners. That's how you know we're getting old. We got to figure out what we what we've already done. Anyway, the, uh, yeah. Um, in terms of Mario games, which I'm very well versed in, Sunshine and sixty four are the ones I'm least versed in. And I would say, as a result, they're probably the ones we've talked about least, and particularly. Sunshine is an interesting game. Um, it kind of occupies it, it occupies an odd space in the series, kind of like a lot of the games we've highlighted on this section. It's kind of considered the the odd 
the the not the ugly duckling, but kind of like the the black sheep of the Mario console family by some people. It's almost like I look at it kind of like you have sixty four in Galaxy, and that's a real pivot in game design. And I'm trying to think of an example where a game series really pivoted. Maybe you could say uh, only to the past Ocarina, something like that, where it's it's drastic, but maybe for the better. And uh, I think. Not to put down Sunshine yet, but Sunshine is a weird middle game where instead of having a true pivot, you have this graduation, a gradual tendency towards something else where yeah. they, then there's those like galaxy levels within Sunshine where they take the flood pack away from you. And it's just this pure, I think they even literally remade a few of those levels in the galaxy games because they're just they're just galaxy levels you were talking about that um i know we kind of were alluding to this last week too when we talked about prime but your brother was over here after we recorded not last week's podcast but the but the week before that two Mm -hmm. weeks ago now um your brother was over here me you and dan roach had a nice little chat with him we were throwing some shade yeah on the sunshine because you you and your brother and particularly your brother i think a little bit more than you He's not a big fan of Sunshine. Um, he's yeah, open. I definitely have more tolerance. Um, yeah. But I, I did jump on his bag when it, it was bed wagon. It was funny. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we had Dan Roach, who was a big supporter, a big lover of those games. Yeah. I was kind of the... the I was Sweden in that situation. I was the neutral <laughs> third party. But I've always liked Sunshine and the, and the idea and the concept of Sunshine. And I've always been more of a Mario yeah. 64 fan. So I... Sunshine's an interesting game. It's one I would actually like to go back and play. If you hadn't played through the whole thing, I would recommend it as a future game club, but... I, I haven't played through the whole thing. Oh, Actually, last summer, I tried to, and I got eh, maybe 35 shines, which I guess is how you measure progress. Okay. And uh, I think there's probably over 100, so that's not very far, but I, I think I have a good idea, you know growing up watching people play it and it being an iconic classic game regardless of uh, black sheepedness but yeah like i said it has like feet in both camps of mario design yeah and that's i think while that's why it's so divisive somewhat but it also has these drawn out tasks to perform like i would say the galaxy levels are the most fun levels the the water flood mechanic is really it's fun and i do i love when nintendo just bases a game around a mechanic and explores it 100% that's always great but uh yeah i don't know did i lose my thought i i don't know did you but if i could kind of jump in and kind of orient the conversation a bit cuz again i you, you have more experience with me but you you you're bringing up an interesting point which is that it has its feet in both pools of Mario design in terms of it, it has that open worldness like there's a big even even a bigger overworld at hub than 64 I mean a lot of the game takes place in kind of one big mm-hmm. continuous area and then there are these kind of bonus levels that take away your pack and are just pure classic they're far and far between though yeah I think and my point was going to be that the main conceit of the game is it's almost like you're a janitor and I guess that that is a little bit on purpose. Like you, you're cleaning up the town of the the uh, splotches and yeah. whatnot. Let's let's just to, just for anyone who maybe is is not as aware of the game. Let's let, let's kind of just quickly synopse 
give a synopsis of that. So you're on vacation with Princess Peach and people from the Mushroom Kingdom in a different kingdom, correct? Yeah. And then, yeah, like like you said, you, you arrive on this island and Princess Peach is captured, same as always, correct? There's a Mario imposter who's terrorizing this city with um, graffiti, basically. And so you arrive there and everyone thinks you're the culprit and you're like, no, like, let me prove myself. And they give you, they're like, okay, fine, they clean it all up. And I think that's basically the story. But it's like weird living graffiti that like comes after you. Yeah, that's and yeah, that's how you get in levels and get coins and stuff. Yeah. But so uh, and there there is an overworld in levels within it, correct? Like it still does have that sixty four structure yeah. to it. The overworld is more fleshed out than the castle in sixty four. And like I was saying, yeah, it just has a lot of the levels are they feel like a job. You know, it's like, okay, you gotta get the what's that one level? The Wigglers are on this uh, reflective satellite, and you have to, like, clean them off and get the Wigglers off the thing and redirect the, the mirror satellite. Wigglers are the enemies in the game? Wigglers are an enemy, yes. Or a enemy. It's just a, a lot of performing tasks, and I guess it does it does kind of match the story of the game. It's like, okay, I'm here to prove myself as a good guy. I'm just going to go around helping these situations, but... It's really, it's a stray from other Mario games in that even the 3D ones are much more to the point and finding the end of a level. And for me, that's where it is, you know. I want to jump on a flagpole. And um, I think Mario Sunshine is a good game. I think maybe it gets more flack from it being a Mario game. If it was just a game in a vacuum... You think it would have been more accepted? It, it might be, uh, if it was able to be popular enough, I think... A lot of the flack comes from it just not being a pure Mario game. Because that's the thing. I mean, we have to keep in mind, as much as there's a certain subset of Mario purists, quote-unquote, that might dismiss this game, it still has a rabid fan base. People love it. It's a be- like any Mario game, it's beloved. It, it is had- good. It is, no, it's a great game. I At least from the bit I've played, I've, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. But I, I can also see a while back, I think you and I came over here, you, me, and Roach were playing through some of it. It does... Ha- it's it is like the idea of Mario sixty four taken to the nth degree, like you know the, the kind of open endedness of the level and it almost does you can see the Mario structure breaking down a bit and it's interesting mm-hmm. because I mean then you can see after this game they did Galaxy which particularly Galaxy one still has a lot in common with sixty four but it, it is way more of a classic type Mario game and I mean Gal- Galaxy two and then I think the objectives are way more defined in Galaxy yeah. And the the wackiness and out thereness comes from more of the aesthetic and the gravity puzzles rather than just these zany type of situations. Yeah, and 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 it's less it's more mechanically sound and less about like look at these weird mechanics and, and like Sunshine's like Shigeru Miyamoto experimenting and, and trying out something crazy and new, but it's very un like well, the it's not are... that crazy new like yeah the flood jetpack just serves the purpose of. It's not that crazy in a platforming game to have a hover ability no. or like a jetpack or something. I guess what I what I mean to say, at least in terms of the context of Mario, really experimenting and trying a different style of gameplay and a style of mechanic within a Mario game, which is, to be fair, a very admirable thing. I mean, admirable thing. You know, I think you shouldn't stop, especially in a defined series like Mario. You should always be trying to push it forward and try to find new mechanics, new ways of presenting the game a new way of new ways of structuring the game so yeah i have to give him a lot of credit for that but it's interesting that a lot of people who are very pure to mario seem to recoil to that quote-unquote lack of focus 
I think another idea that might support the argument is that this may not be actually true, but just knowing how Nintendo works, I think that um, the flood and water and jetpack were uh, conceived, and then Mario was decided as the character. Like, uh. Nintendo thinks of gameplay concepts first, and then, like Splatoon, they were really transparent about how the development went. It took them a while before they had the squid transformation thing down. I think at first they were just like tofu cubes is what they joked about in the um, developer diary. And it was just uh, this most the most basic form of this mechanic of just spraying paint on stuff. And not to go there, but Splatoon and Mario Sunshine do have weirdly a lot of yeah, th- I things was, in I was common. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about that. Um... Yeah, so just the fact that Nintendo thinks of gameplay first and then ties it up in the characters and story. So I think this might have just been one of those times where they decided on Mario being the character when it wasn't really a true match, maybe. So you... I I agree with that, but I would argue, I mean, with some of these big series, I, I have to imagine they go in with the idea of creating a Mario game do you, but do you, you think in this case it was less of that? Like, it was more of this was an experiment that turned into a Mario I think, game? I think that's usually how the Mario games go, but Sunshine might be the exception. Like, I feel like with Odyssey, a lot of how they were talking about it at E3 seemed like they went in to design the next Mario game. Yeah. And they came up with the cat mechanic. Like, that's very Mario, and it makes sense. Yes. And even bringing it back to Odyssey, I mean, because... The game, when it was first released, was very specifically tied in to be in context with this game and also 64. Yeah. But I, I have to say, I mean, we, we got a lot of footage of it from uh, E3. It, it still looks to have a lot more of that focus. Yes. It, it seems to be hewing a little bit more towards 64 than, than Sunshine. And I, I think that's good because it's always, it's always cool. Like, you got to go back to your roots. And, like, in Breath of the Wild... They did all this crazy stuff, and then they were like, okay, let's look back to the beginning. When were people excited? When was this shit being held down? All right. The original Zelda. Let's just make it open world. And they were looking at Mario, and they were like, okay, 3D World, that was a good game, but it didn't do so hot. When were we on fire? To be fair, 3D World was a great game. I... It was a Wii U game. I don't. I don't know. And 3D Land was I, a super. 3D World is like one of my favorite games ever. No, I'm it not is. dissing on that. No, it is. I just. It, I think it was an, a victim of the the platform it was released for. Like, if that had been a Switch game, I'm I'm interested to see if that game would have been super successful because I know 3D Land yeah, was maybe. one of the most successful games I believe on 3DS. Or, yeah, on 3DS. And sure. I, I'm not necessarily opposed to another 3D Land type game or 3D World or 3D Universe. Or my whatever. point though was in the fact that. As designers, they're looking at their past and picking from when they were successful. And when people really got excited and... Yeah, and I, I think that is that is 64 into Sunshine for Mario. That's 64... In terms of gaming in general, that was a landmark game. So It, it was. And to I, go back to that spot in their history is smart. It is, and I, I think we even kind of touched on this in one of our first segments, but it makes sense at this point, too, because now they've been kind of riding this train of the more focused classic Mario game since arguably Galaxy 2 maybe even Galaxy 1 depending on your point of view of things like them kind of peaking a step and kind of going a little bit not if not back 
I don't even want to say backwards, but kind of revisiting that that more open sandbox style. Well, still, I mean, again, they're they're doing it while also clearly taking all the lessons they've learned from the last decade of Mario games. You know, like this is not a game designed in a bubble. Like you can see the evolution of, like you know, as much as I see, I I do see shades of sunshine. I see a lot of sixty four, but I also see some galaxy in there. I even see some three D world in there. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's an important distinction. Um, because these games aren't developed in a bubble, particularly Mario games. Like they're very iterative, and this game is a big step forward for the series. Some people are even saying it might be as big of, in, in its own way, as big as Breath of the Wild was for Zelda. And I think that's very interesting, and I think that's a smart thing to do for Mario, especially now on this new system when they're in the beginning of this new phase of Nintendo. It'd be cool if there was a Sunshine level in Odyssey. They they give you the flood. Instead of taking it away in Sunshine and you're like, oh, that's the coolest level, they'll give it to you in Odyssey and you'll be like, oh, that's the coolest level. That would be awesome because like, at this point, I feel like there's a lot of people in our age group who are, like grew up with Sunshine and are very nostalgic for it. And look, I think there's a lot of ways that with more refinement, people would universally love those mechanics. I'm not even, I don't even want to be too critical of it myself because again, I've only played a bit of the game and you know what? Now that I have the, the GameCube controller and all that set up from you. Yeah. I'd definitely like to get that game from you at some point, and then... And it is a good it. game. I liked it. Um, although, it it should say something that it's the only Mario game that didn't really hold me and keep calling me back. So, I don't know. That's something, but it, that kind of just maybe proves our theories on that it is the Black Sheep. It's not bad, but yeah. hey. I'm going to keep my Black Sheep in quotes for now, but on that point, Mario... Odyssey, Mario series in general, we love you. Of course. Of course. Do you have anything else to say before we before we move on? Wahoo! That's it? Alright. Okay, so Ben, on that note... Actually, no. You're going to ask me this time, aren't you? Yes. Yes. On that note. On that note. It was a C minor, I think, was the note. It was, yeah, it was a B sharp, I think, actually. Mm. I don't even think a B sharp's a real note. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. Tell me what you've been playing. Well, be uh, be sharp, be Ben Sharp. Uh, I've been playing a lot of things this week. Uh, obviously, Metroid Prime for Game Club, and been keeping up with Bloodborne. Well, actually, I think I only logged into Bloodborne like once this week, and I have talked about them a bit. The one thing I do kind of want to discuss this week is Not a Hero. Uh, Not a Hero is a game that we actually first played um, about a month ago now for a Let's Play. That is. Still in the production cycle. Uh, I have gotten back to editing this week, folks, so we're going to get that out to you in the next week or two. They're timeless. so They are timeless. Don't, don't worry about Oh, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. They are timeless. Particularly particularly the next one we have up for you. Woo-hoo! Is that one timeless? Not a hero, this, though. Uh, the title of this game reminds me of that meme, Not a Rapper. <laughs> like, you come, you come through, save the princess. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero, bro. I'm not a hero. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, Not a Hero is actually a very unheroic game. It's it's almost like kind of Hotline Miami ish. It's a weird game. Um, I remember you and I were playing it, and we we, we were kind of it's I mean, Hotline Miami ish. Like ish. that's a strong ish. I feel like it it's somewhat pixel aesthetic, but yeah, it's fast paced shooting gameplay, but it's also different. It is it feel, very. It feels different. You are right. That 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 is a. I don't want to overemphasize that ish. But it's there. Sure. It, the issue is there, but it's not as pronounced as I think. It is one of those cases that like people could just kind of be like, oh, it's like Hotline Miami. But it, it's it's a side-scrolling shooter game. It's got an interesting kind of mechanic where 
it is cover based but in a very weird way like you do a lot of sliding around it's very like combo based shooting type mechanics it almost plays like max Payne or something like that but like from a 2d perspective i was actually struggling a bit when we played it at first and i don't know why just a couple weeks later i was seeing it i was going through my playstation 4 freeing up some space because i have to download some more games because I, I again I, I bought a giant like entire like carton of games about a month ago during that sale so I still need to play through about half a of digital it. carton a digital carton of gigantic fantastic spicy games that I need to play through so I was looking at not a hero I was like I should maybe delete this but I don't know and I just wanted to give it a spin and I ended up enjoying it uh I got a better handle on some of the shooting mechanics this time I have yeah. to say I do you can't it, just spam slide. Which is what we were doing. That's what I was doing. That was like the first level. Yes. It actually worked pretty well for you. Whenever I tried to spam slide, it didn't what go was, well. What was the thing that made it work? Will you slide into a guy and it hurts them? You can slide into or... just... Yeah, just to get the idea. So like I said, uh, listeners, um, you can slide around. There's cover-based mechanics. The it's cool like a thing, dash slide. It, it is It is a most certainly... It is most certainly you a dash slide. You can use it for movement and evasiveness. Absolutely. And, but I forget also offense. A little bit offense. So that's the thing I was about to say. The one thing you can do is that you can slide into someone and then you knife them. That's what you oh. kept doing. And that's why you okay. were so successful. Because you would just slide knife, slide yeah. knife. I am prone to like, if I find a way to cheese a mechanic, I do love to like run up and do the melee. Oh, it was so much fun though. And it's so good. Like if I, I can ever go around the long range it's fun yeah and even when i was playing I, w- I was doing that i was cheesing it a bit too but i was also realizing sometimes like because like you know how there's like some guys that like throw their grenades and stuff and like that would screw us up too when we were yeah. doing the sliding like kind of realizing how to like you can like shoot the grenades out of their hands or shoot them and like they drop their grenade and kill a bunch of the dudes and i think that what the game did show a bit of good game design where they knew we were gonna figure out how to cheese it with the slide and then the next level, they implemented this other stuff that goes against it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that is where we actually would say that it, it is comparable to Hotline Miami, where it is fast-paced, but you also, it's methodical. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not as much as Hotline Miami, but, like, there is this kind of element of, you have to think sometimes before, like, you enter a situation. But the mechanics are good. I, I don't know if they always necessarily hold up as well as, like, something like Hotline Miami does, but I enjoyed it. Am I going to play it some more i don't know i i i will say though i had enough fun during my session to hold off and delete some other things on my playstation 4 so that's a pretty good compliment there you go i mean i have the game forever it's a playstation plus game but that said then what have you been playing this week i've been playing some bioshock infinite this week oh wonderful and uh it's been quite interesting my brother andy actually just started it randomly i think he he had it on his steam for a while and it was like forever on his list of games to play so he was like oh i'm playing this and it's one of my favorite games so it just got me excited and i was like all right i'm, I'm popping this in i gotta re-experience this i i think it's been like three years since i played it but when it came out i played it through like at least twice like two and a half times yeah and uh so I guess, yeah, this would be, like, my third time playing it, and I decided to go on easy, which is it's kind of interesting because, I mean, I don't play... I play a lot of games twice even, but not a lot three times, and I guess it takes me... Since I'm prone to, like, be a completionist or at least worry about being a completionist when I'm playing a game, 
it took me the third playthrough to not care about any of that, so I didn't have to prove anything or feel like I was missing anything, so I just threw it on easy, and like I was saying with Not A Hero, you're basically invincible on easy mode in Bioshock, so I'm just running up to every enemy and skyhooking them in the face. Oh, yeah. So I don't have to worry about dying even. I just run into bullets. See, that'd be a fun experience. Like, I would like to do kind of... That could even be, like, a fun video series for us to do. Like, playing through, like, games we've already played on easy and just seeing, like, yeah. how easy is it exactly. And usually you scoff at easy mode. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? That's not worth it. But through this experience, I'm kind of thinking of it differently. It's not really a lesser mode for experienced players it's just a different way to play a game you know yeah so it's giving me a new experience like i'm the story feels better because it's not as segmented by these drawn out battle scenes i get through battle in like two minutes just bashing people in the face with the skyhook which is really satisfying at the same time and even though it's like one hit kills and i don't have to worry about dying the the battles are satisfying even i'd say more satisfying because I'm not frustrated trying the same thing over and over again. It is also interesting hearing my brother's feedback and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'd say this is a, uh, top 10 games for me, but yeah. this third time I'm feeling like that lies heavily on the, um, the story and world for me. And the more I play it, the more I see through the game mechanics and, realize it is really like uh, an arcade game in terms of the battle scenes. And See, that's so interesting because I, I had a similar experience when I played through the game on hard. Really? I kind of like saw through the game's like mechanics a little yeah. bit. Um, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off though. Keep, no, keep on for a little bit. But And yeah, it's just um, in terms of the game mechanics themselves, some of them feel over-designed and just like, I don't know, when you, you think in life, just if you overthink something... It becomes too like granular. I don't know. If that's a horrible analogy to anything, but uh, I'm just saying like it's like they just took uh, you know those arcade shooters in like um, the movie theater, like Time Crisis and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Where you know, especially playing on easy mode, there's basically unlimited ammo. You you'll never die. I've died once so far, going through like halfway of the game. And as you know, when you die, you lose money. Yeah. You don't really have to continue or go back to your save. And it also saves your place in battle most of the time. So you're really never penalized for doing badly. It doesn't feel like an adventure game in, term of the me- in terms of the mechanics. It, it, it feels like a shooting gallery, more or it less. It feels like a shooting gallery. With an, with, an, with an adventure game story around it. Yeah, and without the mind-blowing story... I mean, I it's, it's still there, but, like, it does... Do you feel like it loses impact a bit? Like, knowing, like, the, the twist and turns a little bit? Like no, I mean, I'm I'm playing it a third time for the story, like... And, and it's and it's still engaging on, on a third playthrough, you'd say? Oh, for sure, like... Okay. I mean, I personally, playing lots of games, and especially this one, I'm prone to just, like, take a stroll through the environment and just... Like, there's a, um... There's a moment in the pretty early on where you're just walking through. It's kind of around the fairgrounds, like tutorial um, part, if you remember that. And you're walking past, and this blimp, uh, like stage, comes up to an area, and 
it's this. Uh, is that the one where, it, where it's the the Beach Boys song? Yeah, the quartet starts singing the Beach Boys. Uh, what song was it again? God only God knows. Only knows what yeah. I do. One of one of my favorite <clears throat> what the fuck moments in any video game when I first saw it. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess it could take you off guard, but I, I love that moment, and um, Bioshock has a lot of these little awesome moments, and yeah, Infinite. I could just be in that world for so long, and I love. I just love the world and the story. So I'm playing it for that, and in doing it again, I'm seeing through the game mechanics more and more, and I'm yeah. wishing, like... I'm almost wishing for, like, a switch in the options that let you turn off the battle scenes. It, like, be, I really just want to walk through the story. So you would, like, kind of just, like, an adventure game-type mode where, like, you walk through the world a bit and then just kind of go from story point to story point? Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of... I'm getting as close to that as I can with uh, easy mode. And it's not bad, but it's just like the I'm not playing the game for the gameplay. I'm playing it as an interactive story. You're playing uh, it for that, which I again I, I feel very similarly. I I think the game is perfect on normal mode. I know a lot of people when it first came out were saying hard mode was the best way to play it. I didn't do that for my first playthrough, but I did it my second, and I I had a similar experience, but in reverse, because it it felt like an arcade game in terms of it didn't feel like a legitimate challenge, you know? Like, it felt literally just like any every enemy had had their HP, you know, like, drawn up by about, like, a thousand points, or, like, my bullets were, like, a thousand points weaker or something like that, you know? Like, it didn't feel like... It had that arbitrary feeling that, like, I think is one of my least favorite things in, like, enemy design in a, any type of game, you know? Especially in action. Yeah, the difficulty game. isn't that dynamic. Exactly. It's really just, like, upping stats. And I think that's disappointing, because... And I know we did a look back on the first Bioshock game. I don't know if we did or didn't do one on Infinite. This might be the first time we've ever solely talked about Infinite. I'm, I'm thinking we did, though. But either way, I know last time we touched a lot on story. Purely t- talking maybe more from, like, a gameplay perspective this time around. I mean, the game story is... Oh, it's incredible. It's fantastic. It's so good. Oh, and, yeah. At the very least, that first time when we were talking about Bioshock 1, I brought up some of this, but we mainly talked about this game story, and, I mean, everything to be said about that, oh, it's so good, but, I don't know, just something about the fact that Bioshock 1, the story and the gameplay complemented it themselves so well. I mean, this yeah. is exactly the thing we were saying back then. It's almost like Bioshock Infinite is self-aware, and it feels sometimes like it's playing off the fact that the gameplay doesn't complement the story. Exactly. At points, it makes sense because again, makes sense. well, because Booker Dewitt's supposed to be this very violent person with a violent past, and there's kind of, there's kind of supposed to be this question of is he redeemable, is he not? And at times, I think the game really nails that, but at other times, it almost feels like like sometimes when you're just like sitting there and like you hook your skyhook into someone and their head explodes, but then you're sitting there having this tender moment five seconds later. It's like, well, they address it a few times. One of the first major battles afterwards, Elizabeth is like. Did you murder all those people? I don't know if that was just the way they justified it in that one moment, but well, even or she I, as a character gets used to it. Well, even even through in certain points, like you'll notice when you do your attacks, like she'll be like, "Oh my god!" Like she will recoil yeah, or react. They sprinkled it in there. They did. Um, and I, I, I can't. But it is that sp- we, it is it's touched upon a lot in uh, in reviews and. Uh, people's opinions i feel like it comes up the fact that bioshock infinite 
the gameplay is at odds with the story. Yeah. And, even even. But I feel away. like it's self-aware though. I I would argue it is in terms of the level of its violence. Even if I think sometimes tonally it maybe goes a little bit too far. I do acknowledge that they absolutely account for that, and I do think that that's part of the game's design. Even if sometimes I do feel like it got a little bit too overboard into like shootery territory because they were having fun with it, you know. But regardless, I think the game, you know, acknowledges that. For me, the bigger thing is just like I said, the actual just design of that gameplay. Like like I was saying, you know, again, even back during I think this was the the bonus episode, episode zero, we first talked about this. It feels very traditional shootery, just kind of like enemies appear, you shoot them, go to the next section story mode you know like it feels like a call of duty game almost playing through the game on hard for me similar to your experience playing through the game on easy made me realize oh wow this is the actual composition of like the moment to moment gameplay and it really is even if there are similarities to the first bioshock it really is fundamentally different and at least in terms of gameplay i mean i i would have to give the edge to bioshock mm-hmm. one and two but the story is so good yeah i just think that Infinite is a um, exploration on video games, so any complaint is kind of um, subsided by the fact that it, as a work of art, is self-aware, and uh, for me, that kind of alleviates any complaint, and if you think about it, they're, they're addressing things that are about gaming, and... It's also very separate from that, but it also knows what it is, so I feel like just the fact that it knows what it is alleviates that for me. I don't know if that makes sense, but I I, I feel like when art is self-aware, it uh, subverts those kind of complaints. I, I agree with what... I understand what you're saying, and to a certain degree I do degree, agree with it, but I do think sometimes self-awareness isn't enough, you know? Like, or yeah, like that's, self, that's fair. It can be like a crutch, and... yeah. I don't know if Bioshock Infinite goes so far down this road. Like, I think there's a lot of games, especially some of these kind of, like, ironic or, like, post-ironic type games that, like, kind of explore it. Like, even, even... It's funny, because the game came out the same... There's two other games that came out the same year that I think, in their own ways, explored similar concepts. Like, The Last of Us did a similar thing where it had... Uh, I mean, literally, it had the same voice actor, but... Booker DeWitt and Joel have certain similarities of characters in terms of they're bastards with these bad pasts and there's this kind of question about it. Um, and I think Booker DeWitt has a more satisfying tale of redemption, but moment to moment in the gameplay of The Last of Us, I think it kind of emphasizes the world of it a bit more. And mm-hmm. I, ha- I have my problems with The Last of Us. I don't think it's a perfect game either, but I love Bioshock Infinite and I always will, but there is this kind of cognitive dissonance where I don't know. Like, Booker having these violent finishing moves, I can buy to a certain degree, because it is fun, and for this violent, brutal man who was known on the battlefield for killing Injuns, or, you know, Native Americans, but to use the game's turn, quote-unquote, Injuns, and, like, is celebrated for it by his former commander, he's this man who was a brutal past that he wanted to escape. Yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense, but, I don't know, just because Elizabeth reacts when you do it, I don't know. It, it, well, that's not. That wouldn't be my only example well, well, of the game being self-aware. Okay. Well, I mean, well, what would another example of it be then? Um, I don't want to get too spoilery. We can throw up a we can throw up a spoiler tag if you want to if you want to talk a little um, bit more in depth. But yeah, just the fact of there's always a lighthouse 
the goal, the whole explanation, the final explanation of the game is that you're playing a game, and it's a uh, another reality that doesn't actually have to make sense. I I understand that there's infinite realities. It it's got a get out of jail free card. Yeah, but it's it's kind of a get out of get out of jail free card. You know, like like yeah, but that's still. I, I feel like that argument could go either way, and I again I love you're still Bob out Trump. of jail. You're still out of jail, but like, did you earn it? You know, like that's that's the question. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's the lovely thing about Bioshock Infinite is that there is a legitimate argue, argument on both sides. Like the same things that one person can see as a benefit, another person can see as a drawback, and I don't think either side is more or less valid. Um, like I love the game, and I would like to give it another playthrough because it's been about three years now. I yeah. played through it twice. I really was turned off by that hard playthrough. I'd love to do an easy playthrough and kind of just try to. Enjoy I think it's it. fun, and it's it's nothing to worry about. Like yeah, you could just skyline bash everybody. And look, I just do want to say before we move on, the moment-to-moment gameplay is a lot of fun. I'm not trying to knock it, but it is fun. I just, for me, I I'm playing for the story, and I, I like I said, I want to have as little battle between each uh, mind-blowing story segment. I agree. And again, just to wrap up, that's the thing. Bioshock One, you were in it all the way. The gameplay was a part of the story. It yeah. was never something you had to get. You had to feel like you would. You were forced to playthrough to get to the story you know you uh-huh. wanted the entire experience and fair enough I do think inevitably that does hint to a little bit of fault although again Bioshock Infinite I love you I love you I guess we're ending every segment this week that way is that how we ended the last one no I just saw a lot of segment but now I'm just I don't know I like that it's a nice cap alright so every week is everyone's in love I'm in love with everyone this week um okay Moving on, Ben. Uh, we kind of wanted to try a little bit of a different quick section. So we're going to kind of talk about two interesting developments in the world of gaming. Uh, one that I picked that's interesting to me. One that I think is going to be interesting to the both of us. And we're going to kind of just sh- talk about it and kind of riff on it for about five minutes apiece, okay? Sounds good. All right, Ben. So I'll start it off. Um, this one's very near and dear to my heart. There's two things I love, Ben. Uh, it's the characters of uh, Walt Disney and all of its subsidiaries. I like all... Disney and video games. Are those the two things? Kingdom Hearts 3 got a new trailer. It's second trailer of the year so far, and I'm a big Kingdom Hearts fan. I know, Ben, you're not too familiar with the series, correct? Not too familiar. It's it's uh, slightly interested me since it's been around, but I had a PS2 when I was too young to care about RPGs that much, and I haven't had a PlayStation since, so it's been tough. Okay, well... Sorry to put you down. Sorry to, that's no. a downer. No, it's not a downer. Uh, <laughs> I just lost my train. I was going to say something, and I lost my train of thought. I, I remembered it, though. Okay. So you you played a little bit of the first one? You never even got a chance to play the first one? Barely, if any. I watched my brother play it once, probably. Was it not interesting, or was it just like you never got a chance to? I just didn't really get it, you know? Okay. But I know you were looking at this trailer, and you said it did interest you this time. Was it just because it was Pixar characters, or was it something That's a big part of it, yeah. Okay. So take me through it. Was it just the Pixar characters? Was there anything else about um, the mechanics and the gameplay that made you think, I get down with this now? I I do think I could get down with this one. I watched just the Toy Story trailer. I saw a couple screenshots of like Big Hero Six and Hercules. I think well, that's the hook of the game is you play through Disney the worlds. cool Disney worlds. Leak? Have they un- ever done Pixar? This is their first time doing I Pixar. I think, yeah, leaking into the Pixar stuff is a really good idea. It works. The uh, CG works really well as a uh, video game adaptation. They like they don't even have to change 
the characters at all. Like, Goofy, they had to redesign or, you know, design as a game character for that game. You know, I was about to say Tom Hanks, but Woody just looks like Woody. No, it, it looks incredible. Like, the, the detail on those characters, dude. Like, it literally looks like it's out of, like, Toy Story 3. I like... also liked how Sora was a toy. Oh, yeah, he looked great. He was a little anime toy boy. It was fantastic. Yeah, I was. It was a little weird. They didn't release an English trailer, right? No, they well because it's a Japanese game, so they they it's localized for Japan first, and they dub it. So, but it's gonna be Tom Hanks, right? I don't know. They they get really good sound alikes. Like the last game, they had a Pirates of the Caribbean world. And they had a fantastic Johnny Depp sound alike in it. Mm. I I you can't uh, have Woody without Tom Hanks, bro. They, but if, I also feel like they're down. They're I, making Toy Story four. Tom, All those guys are alive. Get get Tom Hanks and Tim Allen up in this. At least them. At least get those two. If, if you get people, I mean, they're already doing it. Just be like, come do it for like, pay them a little bit. I so the thing is, they're them. doing if they're doing Toy Story four, they could be like, Yo Sora, what's good into a mic, you know, have some extra sound bites. Like I believe they get. I don't the, know if it's that easy, but well, they get the actual. I think at least for the original games, they got the actual Donald Duck, Goofy, and Mickey Mouse. Yeah, voices. they got pull. They got pull. And it's get, Disney, bro. And this, and this is a giant series. I should warn you if you're going to jump in, the story is fucking confusing of Kingdom yeah. Hearts. Because you know now, this is three, but it's technically like the 13th game in the series because there was like... Yeah, but this, see, that's not worrisome. It's like, if it's confusing as it is, then I don't have to worry about jumping in. Yeah. Well, to be, There's no hope to understand it then. I did, to be fair, in 2008, I jumped into Metal Gear Solid 4 without playing a single game in the series. I just watched a bunch of... I also got a DVD that came with the game because I pre-ordered it, and that basically, like, recapped the entire story up to that point for me, but, mm-hmm. like, it's not impossible, like, especially if you're, like, an astute player, like, you know, like, what series to watch and what things to watch, like, I haven't played a game since 2, and I just, like, watched a bunch of videos, and, like, I half get the story now, but it's okay, because the game's not going to come out for, like, another three years still, so, like, by the time it comes out, I'll be all good to go. Also, in the trailer, like, I kind of felt watching the trailer, I was like, they're showing this whole level like the Toy Story level was the coolest selling point to me so far the trailer was like six minutes long or whatever but it seemed like they showed each part like later on they went into uh, what, what's the Toy Barn what is it called uh, the mixed toy, toy. It, it was it the, I think it's supposed to be literally the toy world from, from Toy Story 2 right well, yeah, it's, like it's, toy, it's the store, the it's chicken the toy guy barn. store it's, it, it's, it's called it's, Toy Barn right it's, some, it's something's Toy Barn I forget what his name was Um, but yeah they go to the toy store and then you get in this, like, mech suit, and, like, it looked insane. Honestly, the mech suit looked awesome. You know what I hope is a part of it on the way? Because I, I don't think they showed the entire thing. I do think Probably, that there's extra. Yeah, yeah, maybe. They, they There was a pretty big cut there. It seemed it, substantial. It seems like a very... I mean, the levels always are. Like, they're, they're pretty big levels. Like, they're multi-stage. From playing King, previous Kingdom Hearts games, I can say, like, you're going to go through a pretty decent section. Something I hope is in the game. Do you remember in Toy Story 2... When they're, like, trying to get to, like, the toy barn and they're, like, in, like, the traffic cones trying to go across the street. Oh, yeah, that that could be a good video game thing. That'd be so... It's also just one of my favorite scenes. Or, like, jumping on the, um, the, the, uh, automatic door sensor. Yeah! <laughs> there could be some little applications, gameplay-wise. And, and they've done that in the past in these Kingdom Hearts games. Like, they've, they've thrown in little gameplay things and segments that kind of pay homage to and, and really interesting and clever ways the Disney worlds at their end. So there's, there's plenty of room to do that. And I'd love to see that because I, I love Disney worlds. I love Kingdom Hearts. And I'm interested to see where this game comes. And I'm interested that the fact that it's getting someone who maybe never played the games in the series like you interested 
for me as a, as a fan, not yeah. a hardcore fan, but a fan nonetheless of the series, that's yeah. very encouraging to me. I mean, Disney is classic, but Pixar for me is more of a hook than uh, pure Disney. So I, I agree. Getting Pixar in is such a big hook for me because I hope they do more Pixar worlds. I hope this isn't the only one. Like, I, I hope there's... Monsters, Inc. would be Monsters, dope. Inc. A Cars World. Oh, no, God, the Cars World. Don't do Cars. God, please don't do Cars. Please don't. They're definitely going to do... Um, Lightning McQueen. John Lasseter was like, hey, want to get a Cars World up in there? Cars, guys. Cars is great, right? That's it, a good John Lasseter. That's exactly what he that's sounds. That's a good John Lasseter. Hey, guys, I'm John Lasseter. Oh, I made oh. Toy Story. Actually, Mickey Mouse was based off John Lasseter. Oh. <laughs> it does sound like Mickey Mouse. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like the band Mickey Mouse from South Park. Mr. Mouse or whatever. Um, so yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Speaking um, of small creatures. Speaking of... Like mice or squid. You mean little squids that uh, shoot ink and get into wars with each other? Turf wars? Um, one would even say? So yeah, that's... Uh, that, that's the thing we're excited for Splatoon 2. Five minutes of pure Splatoon hype. Two minutes. Two minutes? You want just two? One minute. One minute? Okay, a minute of Splatoon hype right now. Ben, okay, how hype? How so hype? hype. Getting so spl- hyped. Splatoon 2 hype minute. Oh my god, hype. Boo, 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 Splatoon 2 <laughs> hype. Yo, Kelly Marie, where you splat. at, yo? Yo, to play with them, I'm gonna splat. Gonna get some turf wars. Gonna, I, I don't know anything about the story because I haven't played the first game. I'm gonna probably watch a watch a walkthrough or like a two hour movie about it or something. Yo, Sit Splatoon and... 2 walkthrough, cutting it up. I'm gonna cut you. Whoa, 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 whoa. No cut. No cutting. Okay, then. None of this is going to be on the podcast. Splat. Then Splatoon 2 is coming out. We're very excited. Um, there's not there's not as much to kind of to kind of talk about here. Just it's coming out. Did you get a chance to try uh, the second round of the, of the test? I missed it. I played like the opening little tutorial section on that I one. I was editing last week's podcast. I heard. That's why I missed it. I know. Well, it was a great podcast, so I'm happy you you were doing that. But the first Splatoon starts out exactly the same. So you, like, pick your character, and you go to, like, a, a tutorial section, then you go into the hot world, right? I was playing through it with Roach, and Roach was like, this is exactly like the first Splatoon. It's just, like, different background colors and stuff. And that's, that's interesting for me, because I know one of the big kind of things this game has had levied against it uh, in this, you know, press cycle leading up to release is that it's kind of, like... Splatoon 1.5 as opposed to Splatoon 2. So I'm wondering if people are going to like that or not like that. It pretty much has, if not the same opening, a similar opening. I don't think it's a bad thing in and of itself, but I, I can see people. It's a, it's a tutorial. Yo, Mario has the same first level every time. Exactly. That's how they do it. It teaches you the mechanics. I, I agree. I could just see people taking it out of context and kind of getting up in arms Maybe. about I it. Mean... Modern Warfare to Modern Warfare 2 was two years. And like I, I'm a big Modern Warfare 2 player. I was a big Call of Duty player back in the day. That game was so different from the first game. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it on release date. I don't know either, yeah. No, uh. but really, Splatoon, single player, awesome bosses, honestly. I love Nintendo bosses. And another game I love Nintendo bosses in is Metroid Prime. That's a great segue. Alright, so let me look at my list here. The first thing on my list, just to read it verbatim, is says, Long Jump Through Purple Door. Now, where'd we leave off last week? Well, we talked about Shigoth, the uh, the mini boss, so to speak. Okay, yeah. So you get the the wave beam. 
The wave beam. The purple electric wave beam. After you beat Shigoth. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I've been using pretty exclusively since I got it. It's pretty. It's pretty useful weapon. So far, I've seen it have more advantages than disadvantages. I haven't compared it to the regular beam against regular enemies as much. But have you done that? I've been using it pretty frequently. I I, I still like the the regular. Say in terms of like some of the regular enemies, have you experimented? against the regular no i would like to go back and kind of and kind of do that because yeah, i pretty much just used the wave beam since i got it i would like to kind of backtrack a bit and even even like some of the earlier stuff in like fendrana drifts like the like like the mini little shigoths i'm interested to see how that would play against them yeah anyway so as we were saying last week you get the double jump and that leads you to the main first room of fendrana drifts once you get the double jump, you go back there, you get up, and you go through, which you've been through before, you get to the one of those areas, and you shoot down one of those icicles, remember that? Yep. And then the wave beam opens purple doors. It so does. So, that's a main key, literally. And there was the first purple door across a big gap, and I was like, I was unsure... But I guess that was also their way of the designers being like, here's like here's your first one of these long gaps to test the jumble, double jump with. Because that, that one, without any risk of dying, it gave me confidence in doing that long-ass double jump, which comes up later more often. And I think the... Um, it's another example of what we were talking about last week, which is like they pretty much immediately always give you a situation exactly, where you, yeah. you have to use the thing that you just got. Yeah, even yeah. though you didn't just get the double jump, this is a first instance of doing yes. a long-ass double jump. Yes. Which I'm gonna, it's called the LADB. That's, uh, I think all walkthroughs should adopt that term at this point. LADB, long-ass double jump. And uh, good, good term. Yes, thank good you. Good shorthand. Um, so you do LADB into the new room, and that has some boost ball switches, the first instance of those, which is like, it's like one of those morph ball spots, but it's in a little cubby also, and you have to do the, what is the boost button for you? Mine's the trigger. For me, it's B. B, it's, but it's, that's, a little yeah. baby B okay, button. Okay, so, they're both B. But Both B. Mine's the trigger, yeah. Yeah, because B, B, that's right, because B was the trigger. Yeah. Um, Which is a much better, probably, place. So, I did like that, you know, because there's some ball switches where you have to do the bomb into them. You press mm-hmm. A a bunch of time and turn something on. And this one was doing that with the B button where you have to do the boost into the switch. Then you get to the room where you have to do the water level rising thing. Mm-hmm. You know, with the big mouths that spray the water. Yes. And you have to get up to... Did you have trouble with that where the water would drain before you actually got up to it? Yeah, a couple times. Kind yeah. of. It, it kind of goes back to what we were saying with the first boss on the game, where, like, it took me a couple times to kind of figure out the the the, the pattern and the flow of, like, getting it to stick. But once I did, I kind of got it. Even though I think, in, in effect, the mechanics you're using are very different. It did kind of remind me that in terms of, like... Mm-hmm. In general, that seems to be a big part of the game is kind of figuring out how to do a lot. Of, there's a lot of timing puzzles in it. Um, yeah, I don't. Is that it's not that strict. Yeah, but it does add some like anxiety to the room. Yeah, when you have to just do a little bit of platforming before your time runs out. 
Well, in general, the game has a great sense of anxiety throughout it because of that. Like, you're, you're stranded on this thing. Like, there's a sense of survival to it. Like, that's a, that's a big... I think that's a big plus mm-hmm. in the game's favor, though, is that I think in this context, having those... Kind of going back to even our, our Bioshock, give it a conversation, you know, gameplay mechanics and storytelling kind of working hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, I do think something about that, these kind of very high-risk stressful puzzles make sense in the the world and the context of metroid prime you know yeah and i'm thinking back now to the first escape sequence from like the tutorial level yeah when you're like there's a clock on the bottom of the screen and the game is like you're timed right now and i was saying how i wasn't worried because if a game gives you a clock like that especially on the first level you know you're good you know you're good like there's nothing to actually worry about but then later on in the game this room where you just have to fill the room with water and you have like 20 seconds to get up three platforms before the water runs out and that's like actually anxiety inducing like it's just this weird thing with timing where at the beginning they were like yelling at me be anxious about your time limit and i'm like dude i know how this works and now it's like they're not yelling at you but you you are yelling at yourself you just realize yeah so I don't know. That's just kind of interesting. I don't no, know. No, I noticed that too. Because I mean, even in the Chozo Ruins, remember, there's that one jumping puzzle where, like, you have to you. It's like it's when you first get the morph ball. When when you first get the bomb for for the morph ball, it's like you have to activate one of these generators. Then you have to get the next generator before the time runs out to like keep the platform up. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's a similar lot of that. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, similar kind of thing. Um, in general, too, let's kind of do a deep dive and talk about some of the mechanics of the game. Because I know something you and I were mentioning was how. The overworld of the game was giving us some struggles, but this week I think we both kind of understood the the structuring of the game's world a bit more. Yeah. Because I know we were, we were both a little frustrated with the last week when we were in Fendrana Drifts. Like, after you get the, 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 the morph ball charge, you have to go all the way back to the main section of the game and get the double jump. Yeah. Which can be a little aggravating. But I also... did and actually, was, yeah, the next room gives you a map of the area. Exactly. Of this section. And that, that does bring us to a good point where I think, you know, maybe it's the game, maybe it's us, but I feel like this is the stretch of the game where you learn how to use the map. I don't know. Exactly. And, I mean, the world is very much so... I, I kind of did this last week, too, but it reminds me of, of the first Dark Souls game in that sense. Like, the world is very deliberately designed in terms of, like, there's shortcuts, there are certain routes back to the beginning, everything connects to a certain degree. And, like, learning to use the map to figure that out, but also just exploring the world and figuring that out based on geography, because every level, every section's fairly distinctive. It's maybe not quite as distinctive as, like, the as like the first Dark Souls game is. Like, you do have to use the world map a bit. Um, but, I mean, Dark Souls doesn't have a map, so it has to be that way. But I noticed, like, how much I would remember where certain things were. Like, there's a, like, certain um, morph ball tunnels you can take that, like, basically let you shortcut. Like, there's one in Magmore Caverns that lets you basically get up to the beginning of the Chozo Ruins and very easily just kind of, like, skip a big chunk of that level. Yeah. Like, if you don't have to do, like, a full... Uh, and then you, you even, on the way back in, you can find a new... In the, in the opening parts, before you get into the Chozo Ruins... I don't know if you found this. There's a new elevator you can find that takes you back down to Magmore Caverns. So you can basically skip the Chozo Ruins. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you find that? I don't think so. You should find that. It's fucking dope. Like, like there's a lot of, like, shortcutting in the game, and there's a lot of, like, oh, well, 
once you get certain abilities, you can find if you explore. Exploring the game and like scanning everything is so tantamount to it. Like it is really so much more an ex- a first person exploration game than it is a shooter. Oh yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. And just the amount of cool things you can find in shortcuts and like little areas. And look, I'm not gonna say I can figure I could like get back to that like um one elevator in this one side area of this one main area on my own without help from a map. It's not quite that distinctively designed, but it is there to a certain degree. Like, if I was in the general area, I could maybe figure it out. And I do think it's smart that the game makes you kind of figure that out on your own. And I do think that the game's world design and environmental design, to a certain degree, supports that. After you learn how to use the maps, you get the super missile from the observatory room, which came in handy later. And uh, on the way out, <clears throat> you encounter your first Metroid. You do. Which is a good moment. You scan that baby. Find out all you can. It tells you to bomb it with more ball bombs. And then you get the thermo helmet. Ooh, baby. I think is what it was called. Or is what I wrote down as it being called. And that that was pretty awesome because the this is at another point where you've gone deep into a level gotten a thing and having have to go all the way back out to where you started the level and this was a really cool thing we were talking about it earlier by ourselves where the the thermal helmet is basically uh in, in, not infrared um what do you call it the camera thermal Ther- just thermal yeah like thermal that camera. that thermal section was so cool like you, yeah you could see temperature through your visor so everything is from like red to blue gauge and uh there's also a certain type of enemy that is like a phantom enemy you can only see thermals of, so that's really cool, and it's really, it was mostly a way to just have it more interesting in, in your backtracking of this linear part of the level. Which in and of itself is smart, I think. If you're going to make us backtrack, at least yeah. add a variety to it, make us like go through the level a different way, you know? And this item is used in, in more interesting ways and more puzzles within that and without it afterwards yeah. but um i think just using that and adding it to the backtracking made the um made those few hallways more interesting well it's also smart too because then they introduced those like you i'm sure you got to like those like enhanced pirates or whatever like 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 the weird like yeah. fast moving dudes and did, did they cloak they have a cloaking ability or is it just uh are you talking about the guys who you can only see in thermal yeah, the guys you can only see in thermal but then there's yeah. no you can if they attack you you can see them in the real world, right? Maybe, Maybe is there is there two different types of space pirates? I think there was. I think I'm I'm not talking about there is one that you can just see in thermal, you're right. But there's another one that just like comes at you very fast and are like very hard to kill. But mm. in general, it makes sense too, because again, obviously one of the best things you can do in game design or, or classic idea at least is to introduce a mechanic and have an enemy that can only be defeated using that mechanic. True. Um in general I just love that whole section though, and then I mean the boss was fantastic. It was good. It was. Yeah. So, yeah, once you backtrack, you use the super missile that you just got on this puzzle to basically just open the door to the boss. And then you morph ball into the room, and you get to this big boss room. It is a big old boss room, and you fight this big old rock guy named... What's his name again? Um, I think he's called Talus. Talus. Which makes no, sense. It's a that's, good. That's a Breath of the Wild joke. His name is Thardus. Thardus is not too far off from Talos. He's a rock monster. 
like the talus bosses and do you Zelda. climb up on his back and hit the gem no, until no you don't but no, you don't. i did notice i was counting because we were saying what's the thing about metroid games like zelda and mario is always three it's a rule of three, three cycles and i feel like metroid is just not adhering to a cycle yeah because this guy just had a health bar and it was like six or seven cycles. Yeah, it, it of was the process. I kind of like that though. That there's, it's not very because even even Chigoth didn't really have like yeah. four cycles. Chigoth was just kind it's of. It's a little refreshing because it is. I'm really used to being like, okay, this I know exactly what to do. This guy's about to die. Even even in Breath of the Wild, I mean, like the although the the Ganon Blight fights are pretty dynamic, they do have a certain amount of like. That I feel it's different. In, it's different in breath. It, it is it different. Have in, the classic three cycles. Maybe not, but they do have their own internal kind of logic to them. Like yeah, I mean every boss does though. Yeah, I would argue that there's a certain there's maybe a certain pattern between the the four of them, but they are they are pretty different in dynamic. Yeah. Thardus does have a logic to it. It does, of course. But it's just it's more about the health bar than how many cycles you go through. The boss, it's it, it wasn't that exciting, like. Yeah, it was just base. It was basically go into thermal mode, find its weak spot, target it and shoot it. Go out of thermal mode, shoot it till it breaks. I, I will say I didn't find it quite as fun as the as the first plant worm boss dude. Or yeah, the... that was more of like a puzzly kind of yeah. thing. This one was really easy to figure out and was more just doing it for a while. Even even Shigoth had a certain like visceral. Even if there wasn't much in terms of like strategy to it, there was something pretty dynamic yeah. about that fight just because you would just switch back and forth between the morph ball yeah maybe this one just seemed less exciting i don't know i can't put my finger on it but yeah there was definitely something about it um i think it was really it was just easy you know like and it wasn't it wasn't not difficult but figuring out the way the the way to do it was easy to come upon so like the puzzle was easy you just had to do it for a while. I think I already said that. I agree. Something yeah. else I noticed... It wasn't the most fun boss. I noticed... It just seemed a little generic. First off, rock monsters are A pretty... little generic. Maybe yeah. that... Yeah, that was it too. Because even, even its attack... Like, it has the one, like, area of attack that follows you. Like, it's like the... It's like... He goes into his ball. Exactly. And it's really easy to dodge. Yeah. It's just, like, charge attack, uh, ground pound attack that, like, sends out a streak towards and you. And are you getting game overs? Are you losing, really? Are you, like... Like, I'm really, I'm kind of gunning through shit pretty easily. The only thing that, that really messes me up is Magmore Caverns. There's that one, like, joke room you go into. You know the one I'm talking about? Not really. There's that one room right before you get up to... Uh, is it with down. all the, um... All, all like, the turrets? The turrets, yeah. Yeah, I fucking hate that. That's the only room in the game. That that room has probably really? given me more tr- trouble than any single boss in this game. Really? Yeah. I, I, I've recently gotten over it, but that was part of my problem... Last time, I, I didn't really mention it so much, but that really annoyed the shit out of me. That one room. Anyway, I'm done now. That was enough venting for this week. Uh, any Anything else to say about uh, Metroid Prime this week, Ben? I think, uh, no, it's, it's still going good. I like, uh, I like the idea of us kind of playing less per week. Just also, it's less of a commitment, and we can go more in-depth in each part of it, and, uh, I think that was a problem with Psychonauts. I felt myself rushing through explaining everything we played. Yeah. And even, literally, we were just rushing because, like, we would both, I know, Monday night be like, oh, crap, we didn't play, and we'd have to... In terms of playing it, too. Yeah. But, yeah, in terms of talking about it, I enjoy having less 
to talk about so we can delve deeper. And we can kind of get into the mechanics a bit more as we go through it. I mean, again, Game Club's supposed to be in the style of a classic book club. That's what you do. So I think we're going to keep going boss, mini boss, boss, mini boss. Yeah. On that note, we're going to play up until, what is it? We were just in Fendrana Core, so we're going to the next area now, correct? Well, now it's back to Magmore. With back. the spider ball, which you get from the boss. Right. And I didn't look up the name, but let's just say we'll play it in the next boss. Whatever the, the next mini boss is yeah. in the in the Magmore section, we're going to play through that. Guys, as always, we want you to follow along too. If you haven't done done this already, go to the Keep Plugging Facebook page. On that note, talking about social media, shake my hand too. There you go. Listeners, as always, I'm shaking Ben's hand metaphysically, blah, blah, blah. You guys know the drill. Ben, where can we find you online? Keep plugging L-I on Twitter. And just keep plugging on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All right. And like I said, we're going to have some spicy new YouTube content coming out for you in the next week or so. Keep your eye out for that. But you guys can find me on Twitter at Hyther... On Twitter is... Hi there, hey. At, at hey, hi, hey, 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 hi, hi, hi. Let's do that again. You guys can find me again. <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter as at hi there big fella. As at as hi there big fella. Okay, one more fucking time, Jesus Christ. Oh. I'm not editing this podcast at all. Please, this is going up. Please edit is. this out, Ben. All right, so you guys can find me. Don't laugh. Okay, I'm doing this one more time. Don't fucking laugh. You guys can find me on Twitter. As hi there, big fella. If you guys want to yell at me about any of the videos I edit, feel free. Please feel free to do so there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram as the underscore sans underscore man, and on Snapchat as just sans underscore man. Haven't made a Periscope yet. Probably never will. Maybe I will. What about Vine? Vine is dead. Ben, I love you, buddy. Listeners, I love you too. I love you. I love everyone. Have a good night, good luck, 